Our second reading for today comes to us from the book of Esther, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther. On the second day, as they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be done. It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people, that is my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we have been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have held my peace. But no enemy can compensate for this damage to the king. Then King Asarias said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who is presumed to do this? Esther said, A foe, an enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king rose from the feast in wrath and went into his palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that the king had been determined to destroy him. When the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman had thrown himself on the couch where Esther was reclining. And the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence in my own house? As the words left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Look, the very gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose words saved the king, stands at Haman's house. Fifty cubits high. And the king said, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the anger of the king abated. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, today's sermon is not just on the passage from Esther that I read, but it's really on the entire book of Esther. And there are several reasons for that. One, Esther only appears once in the three-year lectionary cycle. Second, Esther, the book, is kind of a complete story. This fall, we've started a, new th- a few new things. Our Sunday school class for our children and youth, we watch a movie clip and then talk about our faith and the way it interacts with it. During children's time, as you saw today, I'm having the children bring whatever household item they want from home, whatever it may be, and we're going to put the children's sermon centered around that. And the reasons behind this is because it's not 
just that we should have faith, but we should see how our faith interacts with the world. Where we can see God when we are outside of these walls. I think that's why Jesus often taught in parables. If you think about the parables that Jesus often taught, many times God is not explicitly mentioned. The book of Esther is unique in several different ways. It's one of only two biblical books named for women. But the bigger difference is it is the only book of the Bible in which God is not explicitly mentioned. God's name never comes up once in the book of Esther. But when you read the complete story, there's no doubt that God is at work in and through the pages and words of that book. The book of Esther is a fascinating story. It's got twists and turns. It's got drama. It's got dark humor. It's, it's really a great book. And it's very short. I suggest that you all read it. But in case you're not familiar with it, I'm going to recap it for you. It's about a little Jewish orphan named Hadessa. And when her parents have died, her uncle Mordecai takes her in. This book takes place during the Persian exile when the Jews were taken over by the Persian Empire and many of them were driven from Israel and found them living in the land of Persia. And Mordecai and Hadessa were two such Jews. And Mordecai said, Hadessa is too much of a Jewish name. Let us rename you Esther. As the years go by, King Xerxes decided he needed a new king or a new queen. And so he decided to have a contest. And he opened it up to all the people of his land. It's almost like a Persia's next top model, if you will. And all these women lined up and they got makeup done and they went through years of training to be the queen. And Esther was one of these women. And Xerxes saw her and chose her to be one of his harem, one of his queens. As this was going on, a man named Haman rose to the position of prime minister to be Xerxes' right-hand man. And Haman let this go to his head as so often happens in these stories. And he traveled through the land and made all the people bow to him. But one person refused. Mordecai, Esther's uncle. And Haman was incensed by this. He was so angry that he decided that having Mordecai put to death would not be enough. So he went to King Xerxes and pleaded and had a royal decree put that all of Mordecai and his people shall be put to death. And he went to Persian psychics and Persian priests and had them decide the very best day in which the Jews could be eradicated. He sold these to Xerxes by saying, look how much this will increase the treasury, for you will have all their possessions, all their wealth. And Xerxes agreed. Mordecai was distraught. He did not know what to do. So finally he went to the palace and he called on his niece, Esther, and told her what was going on. And she said, I cannot help you. He said, you are the queen, you are married to the king. Plead for me, plead for your people. And she said, I have fallen out of the king's favor. 
We are not allowed to approach the king unless he raises his golden scepter before us. It has been 30 days since he's called on me. If I approach him of my own doing, I will surely be put to death. And Mordecai looked at her and said, Just because you are married to the king, do not think you will escape our fate. For it will come out that you too are a Jew, and you will also be put to death. But you never know, you might have been put in this position for such a time as this. And so Esther went, and she mourned, and she sent word to Mordecai to have all the Jews fast and pray and put on sackcloth and ashes, and she would approach the king. She approached the king and said, grant me one favor. And he, and he said, what is it? He said, well, let's have a feast. And so he threw a feast. And this is where our passage today comes into place. And she was there and the king was there and Haman, his right-hand man, was there. And he said, what is the favor that you would ask? What would you have me do? I would give you half my kingdom if you but ask. And she said, save me. Save my people. We've been called to be put to death. We've been called to be eradicated, exterminated, wiped from this earth. And Xerxes was outraged. And he said, who did this? She said, Haman, your faithful servant. And Xerxes stormed out of the room. As he did this, Haman threw himself on Esther, pleaded, do not let him kill me. Save me. As he'd thrown himself on her, Xerxes came back into the room and saw this and thought he was accosting her, attacking her. Use your imagination. And he was outraged. Haman had seen, built the gallows for Mordecai. He could not wait for his death. And as this this happened, one of the eunuchs looked out the window and saw the gallows and said, look, we already have gallows built. Let us hang Haman there. And that is what happened. Haman was hung from his own gallows. And the Jews, God's people, persisted. Lived on. Because Queen Esther had been put in that position for such a time as this. Whenever I read the book of Esther, whenever I read the passages, that is the phrase that jumps out at me, that clings to me for such a time as this. God calls to each of us, to every one of us. God has a purpose for us. But sometimes we're put in a certain situation, put in a certain place for a specific reason. Sometimes we're put here for such a time as this. Before I went to seminary, I was elected to session at the church where Heather and I attended when we were first married. And when I was first elected, I did not know that I'd be leaving for session in just a year and a half. And during this time, our pastor, beloved pastor of many years, decided to leave and the church was in turmoil. And I was elected to the the interim nominating committee. And we picked one certain man who was very different than the church would have usually picked. But he was the right man for the job, the right man to bring the church together. 
And for many years, I felt guilty for serving on session for just two years, not completing the term that I agreed to because I left for seminary. And talking to Heather and talking to some of the elders I served with, they said, Chris, we think you were there to help us to bring Eugene. You were put here for such a time as this. And we all have moments for that. We all have moments where we find ourselves in a particular situation, a particular time for a particular reason. But sometimes that can be hard to discern. So how do we know we've been put in place for such a time as this? When we find ourselves in a position of privilege, we could tell we've been put here for such a time as this. Esther had risen above the rest of the Jews. She held a special position. She had access to the king when nobody else did. And she'd been put there to be able to help them. When we see God's people in need, when we see them in want, there is a chance that we've been put here for such a time as this. The Jews were definitely in need. They were facing extinction, eradication, death. They're facing being wiped from this earth. And Esther saw this need. She was informed of this need. and She realized she'd been put there for such a time as this. When we find ourselves in a unique position to help God's people, or help anyone, then we might be here for such a time as this. When we're in a position to do something that nobody else can, when there is a need that can be fulfilled that nobody but us can fulfill, there's a strong chance that God has placed us there. Esther was in a position that nobody else was. She had the king's ear when nobody else did. She was able to go to the king and to plead for her people when no one else could have. But the final hint that we, God has placed us somewhere for a particular reason is when we're willing to sacrifice of ourselves. Esther was able to get the king's ear. But she didn't do it without risk, without danger. She faced the very real chance that the king would be so outraged that she dared to approach him, that she would be immediately placed in prison or put to death. But she was willing to sacrifice of herself. She's willing to take that risk to help God's people. And she knew she'd been put there for such a time as this. We could go throughout history and see numerous examples of people that God has placed in certain places, in certain times, for certain uh, purposes. We could look at the people that worked the Underground Railroad like Harriet Tubman. We could look at people like Rosa Parks during the Civil Rights Movement. Or we could look at women like Irene Sendler. Irene Sendler grew up in Poland and became a social worker. And when World War II broke out, 
They were terrified of certain diseases escaping the Jewish ghettos. And so they got Polish social workers and Polish nurses to go in and check on these diseases to track their spread. And Irene was one such woman. And she would go in and she would put on a gold star of David so that she would feel at ease and the Jews would feel at ease around her. And she would check on them and she would check the spread of disease. But she would also sneak them in information. And she would smuggle people out. And during her time working in the Jewish ghettos, she smuggled out over 2,500 people people who have been sent to the camps, people who would have been put to death. But she realized she'd been put there for such a time as this. And she saw that she was in a position of privilege that the Nazi government trusted her. She saw that God's people were in need. She saw that she was in a unique position to help them. And she was able to, willing to risk being caught so that she can help them. So that she could do God's work. Like Esther, like Irene, God calls to each of us. And as we walk through this journey of life, we have general calls, but we have specific calls. And there are times when we will find ourselves in a specific place at a specific time, and God wants us to do a specific duty. And we see need in God's people. And we're a position of power, a position of privilege. And we're in a unique position to help them. And we trust that God has called us for such a time as this. Amen.